0: We always have our student body president kick off this series, and so Haley is here to kick it off for us, so we're going to pray for Haley, okay? Would you stretch a hand out as we pray over her? Well, Heavenly Father, we thank you that you do have a plan. You've had a plan from the very beginning, and you have a plan today as well to speak through Haley. I thank you that you have worked in her, and I believe, Lord, that you're going to work through her this morning. May our ears be open to hear what you have to say. We pray your blessing over her, her words, and uh, this scripture that she's about to bring. Amen. Thanks, Gavin. Hey, everybody. Oh, man. I'm not going to lie to you guys. I am a little nervous doing this. This is my third time preaching ever. My first time was in youth with Andrew. And then my second time was overseas on our Omega trip. And this would be my third. So really exciting. Yeah. Okay. Oh. So, as Gavin said, um, Student Body President always gets to go first during these things. So, when I got the gig of Student Body President, I knew I would be doing this, and I wanted to be ready. So, since I got it, I had been bugging Gavin, asking him what I, be, what I was going to be preaching on. So, but until he didn't tell me until about a month ago, so I did not have as much time as I wanted, but <laughs> that's okay. What I decided to do instead is I've been watching at all of our chapels. I have been watching all of our pastors and residences. I have been watching Kim and Gavin. I've been watching Joel. And something that I've learned is when you're preaching in a place for the first time, you introduce yourself and your family. So this up here is my family. (laughs) So here, um, I grew up with my family here in a small town in northern B.C. called Fort St. John. And as you see in the big photo right there, um, the only man in our family, because he had all daughters, my poor and blessed father, his name is Ian. He works for TELUS. And then the lady in the middle between me and my sister, Kaylin, that is my mom, Tara. She works at our local pregnancy care center. Um, the, The girl in the long green dress on the right, that is my older sister, Taryn. Yes, there is three of us. And she is a lab technologist at our local hospital. In the middle of that photo, you will see my younger sister, Kaylin, who is sitting here at the front. She is also a student here at Summit. She is in the youth program. And then we have me on the end, but in the middle between those two. And what's really exciting is um, this photo wasn't actually taken this Christmas. It was taken last Christmas. And what's really fun about this photo is since this photo has been taken, all three of us have gotten engaged in the past year, which is crazy really exciting. At least We're all excited. So Kaylin was first. You can see her with her wedding photo there. She not only got engaged, but she also got married since this photo was taken. So this is my brother-in-law, Noah, also sitting at the front. He is also a student here. He is in the counseling program. And then in the photo beside that is my sister's, my older sister, Taryn, her fiance, Kiel. He is a mapper. And then, on the photo all the way to the left, my personal favorite, my fiance, Nathan, also a student here. Uh, He is, yes, he's in the intercultural program here. Yeah, so, so yeah, so recently we all got engaged, and this is really exciting. Because not only now am I graduating, I, I did it, I, I did my, my job at bridal college, I got my ring by spring, graduating with a fiancé. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, sweetheart. And this has been really causing me to look forward a lot about what my future is going to hold. Not only now am I looking forward to a graduation, I'm also looking forward to a wedding. But looking forward has also been causing me to look back a lot and look over these past four years of my time here at Summit. And a lot has happened here at Summit since I first got here. I originally came here in in 20 in 2019 to do Omega. I joined Team D. I Like a lot happened in that year. Uh, originally, I was going to go to Brazil, but COVID happened instead. So I instead went home for the summer. Lovely times. And then I did end up coming back. And, you know, as you guys, most of you would remember COVID here for that year. That was a crazy time, but... Then I started dating Nathan that year, so it wasn't all terrible. Um, Eventually, COVID did end, and more memories happened as memories like going to Europe with my new Team D, which was lots of fun. And then also going (laughs) going to Uganda with Corey and a whole other team. (laughs) Yeah, guys. Yes. Uh, So, like, (laughs) Uh, so much has happened that, honestly, if I were to write it all down, I it would honestly probably take at least one book or several books. As my profs would probably tell you, I'm never someone who goes under the word count in all, any of my essays. I'm always the person who goes over the word count and is always begging my pres- professors, don't, don't dock me for like exceeding the word count, please. They, they, they sometimes do. They sometimes don't. <laughs> it's fine. Not, not bitter about it at all. But honestly, so I've always—I've never been good at recapping or summarizing. Moses, on the other hand, is really good at it. He successfully recapped 400 years of Israel in a page and a half. Thank you, thank you. Yes, in one page and a half, Exodus one and two alone, he has managed to recap for all of 400 years of Israel in Egypt. And me being inspired by Moses, I did my best. I decided to also recap it all in one slide. So, so if we look at this, we see if so. To start at the end of Genesis, Israel has now come to Goshen. They are living in Egypt, and life is honestly pretty good for them right now. They, Joseph, scored them this really good deal since he's second to Pharaoh. So they have their own land where they're safe. They have all the food they can want. They have shelter. They have protection, everything that they need to be safe so they can grow into this army that God wants. So they are doing as the Lord commanded. They are being fruitful and they are multiplying. And so they started off at 70. And shortly between these 400 years, they are growing into the thousands. But eventually this becomes a threat to Pharaoh because a new pharaoh eventually rises to power, one who doesn't remember Joseph and what he did for Egypt, and he sees this army and he feels really threatened. So he decides to oppress Israel and he enslaves them. So now day in and day out, they're working in the fields, they're working in the bricks, they're making things, and it's no longer a good time for Israel. Life, in fact, just kind of sucks for them now. And, but they're still growing, they're still multiplying, so Pharaoh decides to take even more drastic measures. He goes and he tells the midwives, hey, when, is, when the Hebrew women are giving birth, if they give birth to a son, you have to kill it. But if they give birth to a daughter, you can let her live, that's fine. So, but the midwives, instead, they don't actually go and they kill the babies, instead, they lie to Pharaoh and they just let all of the kids live. So they go and tell Pharaoh, hey, the Hebrew women are way tougher than the Egyptian women. I love the subtle dig that they they threw to Pharaoh right there. And they're tougher, they don't actually call us until after the baby's born. So Pharaoh's first plan to start shrinking this army of Israel is gone. But Pharaoh still doesn't give up that easily. He decides that he's going to take it one step further again and just commands every, all of them, every son born to the Hebrews is to be cast into the Nile to drown. So now not only are they enslaved, but now all their kids are dying and life gets even worse. And that gets really sad. Except for one woman. Um, her name is Joshebed. You guys might know her as Moses's mother. She defies Pharaoh. She says, no, Like she, when Moses is born, she knows that he's special. So she doesn't throw him in the Nile. Instead, she decides to hide him for as long as she can. And this is successful for about three months, because as most of you know, newborns are not that quiet. They are very loud. You cannot hide those things for long. So what she does is she puts him into a basket, and she sends him off down the Nile instead. And which having faith that he would be okay. And he was. She, Pharaoh's daughter eventually found Moses, and she decided to adopt him. And then, as the story goes, Moses' older sister Miriam, she goes to Pharaoh's daughter and offers a Hebrew woman to nurse him until he's old enough to come live in the palace. And Pharaoh's daughter agrees, so as Joshebed gave her baby away, Moses is given back to her, and she is able to raise him until he's old enough to go live in the palace. And then, as time goes on, Moses grows up in the palace and and with his mom, and eventually he's an adult, and he goes on a walk, and he sees an Egyptian brutally beating um, an Israelite. So Moses, knowing that those are his people, wants to protect his people. So he goes and he kills that that Egyptian, and he buries him to hide the body because he doesn't want anyone to know what he did. Unfortunately, that didn't work out for Moses. The Hebrews saw him, and he got caught, and he was scared for his life, so he ran away to Midian. And while he was in Midian, he met his wife, Zipporah, and he got married and had kids. So he was living his life over in Midian, away from the chaos that was going on in Egypt with his people. But while he was over there, uh, what happened was um, this current pharaoh who's been oppressed in them died, and a new pharaoh rose to power. And this pharaoh, like the last pharaoh, continued to enslave Israel, and Israel was just had enough of it. They are done with the slavery, they're done with the oppression, they're done with the murdering of their children, and they cry out for help. And God heard their groaning, and he remembered. He remembered the promise that he made to Abraham, he remembered the promise he made to Isaac and Jacob, and he knew. And this is the verse that I want to focus on today. At this very end, as we go through these two chapters, um, the verse is... Yes, Exodus two, twenty-three to twenty-five, if any of you have your Bibles. And this verse says, During those many days the king of Egypt died, and the people of Israel groaned because of their slavery and cried out for help. Their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God, and God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with, with Isaac, and with Jacob. God saw the people of Israel, and God knew. So this brings the question of what promise, what covenant is he talking about? So going from Exodus, if we look all the way back to Genesis, we, all the way back to Abraham, we see in Genesis 12 the call of Abram. And this says, and the, so this is um, when the Lord said to Abraham, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you and I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonor you I will curse. And you, all the families of the earth, shall be blessed. And then he kind of, then God goes on. So then Abraham goes, and he goes to this new land, which is the land of Canaan. And then the Lord appeared to him while he was there, and he said, to your offspring, I will give this land. So he built an altar to the Lord, who appeared for him. This is the promise that, that Israel was waiting on. This is the promise that God was talking about. Now, I'm not going to go too into the Abrahamic covenant because we've all taken Pentateuch, or we're going to learn about it in Pentateuch. So I'll let, I'll let Mark do the teaching there. But the, the specific land of the promise is the one that God is remembering for the Israelites, the one that they're holding on to. And so jumping back to this promise that they had. I one thing that's really stuck out to me is I think it's really funny how God heard their grumbling and he remembered his promise to them. It says that he remembered. But the truth of the matter is God didn't actually remember his promise that he made to the Israelites, the promise that he made with Abraham. And the reason he didn't have to remember this promise is because he never forgot this promise in the first place. Cuz God is somebody who never forgets. What happened actually instead? was that he heard their promise, he heard their cries, and he he chose to act. He decided this is the moment where he's going to become active in their lives again, and in the story again. So it's not that he forgot, he was waiting for the perfect time to bring Israel to the promised land. They probably said remembered, because during these 400 years with basically nothing from God, it probably felt like he forgot. And I'm sure that God has made promises in all of your lives. Maybe that promise is your calling that he originally called you to do for your life. Maybe that promise is a place that he's told you you're going to go, or maybe a certain person you're going to meet, or maybe it's for a certain struggle to end, or even he's promised you that you're gonna receive healing one day. Or maybe some of you have never received a promise at all from God, and you're just waiting and searching to hear something from him. And during this time of waiting, it can really feel like God's maybe forgotten about you. Or maybe he's forgotten about these promises that he's made to you. But I want to assure you that God is a God of promises. And He's a God who keeps all of his promises. He is just someone who waits for his perfect timing. Not our ideal timing, but his perfect timing. And we know this because we can see this in Genesis 15. And then, which says that the Lord appeared to Abram and said, know for certain that your offsprings will be, will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs and will be servants there. And they will be afflicted for 400 years. But I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve. And afterward, they shall come out with great possessions. As for you, you shall go in your father's peace and you shall be buried in old age. And they shall come back here in the fourth generation for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. So reading this passage and relating it back to Exodus, the Exodus 2, we can see that long before the famine, long before Joseph was in Egypt or anything that happened there, we see God telling Abram exactly what was going to happen to Israel in Egypt during those 400 years. It isn't just something that like happened magically or on accident or any coincidence. This was an intentional part of God's plan. Everything that was happening to them was his plan the entire time everything that happened to them, everything that is gonna happen, God was just waiting for his perfect time. And it's just like you guys, you are all a part of God's plan. Whatever promises God has given you, whether he made them to you when you were a kid, or maybe the first time you came here to summit, or maybe he gave you a promise last week, but God has not forgotten any of the promises that he has spoken over your lives. And he will see them to completion because God is one who keeps his promises. And it might not be when you want it to happen or how you want it to happen, but just keep having faith because his timing is always perfect. Like, because if you think about it, could God have given the promised land when he originally brought Abraham there? Or maybe with Isaac or Jacob or honestly any other time during the 400 years? Yes, he's God. He can do anything. But he waited for Israel to grow into an army first. He waited for the Amorites' iniquity to be complete. That was his perfect timing. And God is doing the same thing with you. Just because he's not giving you signs and wonders doesn't mean that he's not there. It doesn't mean that he's not forming you or shaping you into the person you're going to be for the promises to come true. Our God is a God of promises, and he will keep those promises that he made to you. It might not be today, it might not be tomorrow. It could honestly even be 20 years down the road. Israel had to wait 400 years for that part of the promise to be fulfilled and even longer before the entire promise was fulfilled. But God is with you and he will keep his promises that he has made to you. So with that, that brings the question of, okay, so we're all waiting for God to answer his promises to us. What do we do in the meantime while we're waiting? And well, Israel has some good experience, they, they were doing it for 400 years, so we can look at what Israel did and the first thing that they, the first thing that we can do in this waiting is to not forget the promise that God has made to you. Israel waited 400 years. Not a single person who was around at the time of the original promise was there when that promise finally started to come true. And they didn't have Bibles to read. They didn't have journals to write things down in. All they had was the stories that they heard from their parents and then the stories that they passed down to their kids, generation to generation. And... And they just kept waiting, but they never forgot. Like, throughout all those 400 years, they still called themselves Israel. They called themselves Hebrews. They never called themselves Egyptians because they knew that they weren't Egyptians. They were God's special people. Mm-hmm. And, they, and they, they kept their faith, which we can see with the midwives. They, didn't, they weren't scared of Pharaoh when they lied to him. Defying Pharaoh was a sure death sentence if they were caught but they lied to him anyways because they knew that they were waiting on a promise from someone far more greater and far more powerful than Pharaoh was. And they knew that being obedient to God was far more important than being obedient to Pharaoh. And the second thing that we can do is we can keep praying and keep working. We need to stay in relationship with God. So when he does choose to act on his promise, you know his voice and that, and you're ready to act. So I want to encourage you to continue to read your Bible. Continue to do your devotions. Keep praying and keep talking to God. As we see again with Israel, they knew who God was when he, when, who, when he told them. When Moses told Israel that the God of Jacob, the God of Isaac, the God of Abraham was calling them, they knew those stories that he was talking about. They knew the God that was calling them and was coming to rescue them. So make sure that when God calls you, you, you know who he is. And last, I just want to say don't lose hope. I know it can be really hard waiting for God to answer his promises. And we, at least me for sure, are people who like to know things now as I really did when Gavin told me I was going to be doing this. But things happen in their time and God's timing is always perfect. And Thing is, I know it can be especially hard here at Bible College because we see so many people have all these moments with God when they're coming to the front and they're feeling Him and He's giving these reassurances and these affirmations. Like we saw it last week with Joel in Spiritual Emphasis Week. It's so, it can, but like, and just watching all of these other people have all these moments, it can be so easy to feel forgotten by God. But much like the Israelites, God doesn't need to remember you because He's never forgotten about you. He's not just like up there in heaven hanging out and like randomly looking down at me, He's like, oh, hey, is that Haley down there? Is she preaching about me right now? Man, I remember I promised her one thing like f- so long ago. I should, I should really get on that. Good thing she's talking to me right now, or I would have like never remembered her. Like, no, it never happens like that because he's always see- seeing us and he's always watching us. Our God is a God of promises, and he's going to keep all the promises that he's made to you. It might not be today, it might not be tomorrow. It could be a couple months or a couple years. But our God is a God who is a promise keeper. So never lose hope in him. And one more thing that Israel did that I just think is really amazing, and it's not only we see it in Israel, but like we see it throughout the entire Bible, is that Israel cried out and God answered. And we see, so we can see this Israel, we can see this with David, we can see this everywhere, that when you cry out to God, he answers you. So I'm going to encourage you just to take some time on reflection right now and just to take, take a moment. And just if you feel like you're struggling right now and you're feeling maybe that you've been forgotten or you just need some reassurance on any promises that God has given you, I want to encourage you to cry out to God, to reach out, and wait on him to answer you. Because when we cry out to God, he always answers and he always helps us. So I'm going to give you guys a few minutes to reflect on that now. And if you feel like maybe you need prayer or something, you're welcome to come to the front, and me or Kim or Gavin would love to pray over you. Philippians one six says that who he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. So God, I just want to pray that the good work that you have started in us, you will bring it to completion. Whether this is our first semester here at Summit, or maybe our last year at Summit, God, you are always with us and you're always keeping watch over us and you are always fulfilling your promises in us whether we see it or not so god i pray as we go on with our day and go on with the rest of the semester god i pray that we continue to hold to hold faithful to all the promises that you made us and we are able to see those not as maybe a discouragement or something pressuring but we are able to lean on those as a, as a strength and encouragement and maybe as assignments get hard or life gets in the way, God, we are able to just keep holding on to those as a reminder to keep going and to keep pushing. And God, I just pray that you continue to encourage us and you remind us that even if we don't always see you or we don't always feel you, that you are always there and you are always keeping watch over us and you are always growing in us. So I just, I thank you for being here with me as as I did this and I just thank you for being here with everyone else and in your name, I pray. Amen. Okay.